Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Toolbox Tools for Everyday Caregiving. My name is Ryan McAniff. I am here with Janet, and on this channel we give you information and education about senior care topics. And today we're talking about an article that was in the Boston Globe in the last 24 hours, and it's all about how Massachusetts is trying to become the Silicon Valley for age technology, and how uh, our leadership, our governor, and our state senators are all working very hard to help make this area more tech-friendly for older citizens, um, which is which is really a long time coming and really is going to happen. And, and we've seen that in our work about how technology is slowly but surely creeping in, wouldn't you say, Janet? Yeah, I think it's, uh, and I think we are in a perfect environment for it. And our governor happens to be someone who had a, um, his mom, I think it was, um, was in um, had memory issues and and whatnot, so he's he's walked the walk from a, a family member standpoint. Yeah, he certainly has had his experiences with family caregiving, as as most of us have. And it was just an interesting article because, you know, I'll just I'll just read. The, they have three examples. There's a company called uh, uh, Pilo or Pio. Um, I guess it's P.O. because it's uh, an Italian. It's based from based from an Italian family. I think that's how you pronounce it over there. Anyways, yeah. it's in Boston, and it, it, it's a robot that sits on your kitchen counter and greets them in the morning and gently reminds them to take their pills. Um, there's another one called Eversound, where it sells wireless headphones whose volume controls let seniors with varying levels of hearing loss exercise or watch movies together. And then another one is uh, Rendever which um, uh, is software that can transport household elders to the African Serengeti and the um, Machu Picchu and basically anywhere they want to go in the world through virtual reality goggles, which quite frankly doesn't really sound like age tech to me. That just sounds like cool tech. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't think you need to be 80 to want to, want to use that one. Um, but clearly there is a lot of... A lot of a lot of emphasis that's put on technology in the the home care um, and the, the aging care population. The, what what are before I get into my opinions on all this stuff, Jana? What are your opinions when it deals with this type of technology with with seniors? Well, I think you know there's like. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think there are a lot of innovations, some of which you've just mentioned, that really um, could be very good things. But I think there's going to be to plan for the aging population that is currently young adults. The, the young adults now have a technology knowledge that they're going to adapt easier. People that are in their um, 70s, some even in their 60s, whatever, that are used to older technology. This is going to be a little bit hard, I think, in some ways. You know, you see some things like commercials on TV for the um, the video doorbells. Those, I think, are awesome. The idea of putting a robot on the kitchen counter that's going to tell my dad to take his pill or my mom would freak her out in the morning. <laughs> so I think there's going to be different things that... Um, 
you know, are going to come along. But I think that we are in the right place to do it, the right mindset. I think this particular, the, the greater Boston area is, is a great opportunity. And I think comparing it to a Silicon Valley kind of thing, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and so, so, you know, uh, I always, whenever I give my opinion on technology and seniors, I always feel like I'm the guy that's selling the typewriter that's saying the computer's not going to take over anything and the typewriter's <laughs> still going to be good. I love technology. I think it's cool. I wouldn't say that I'm a, a, a tech tech file or somebody that's like super into it, but I definitely like it. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like playing with gadgets, you know, going to the Best Buy or whatever. It's like a a kid in a candy store, you get to check out the newest cameras, the newest video games, the newest TVs, bigger the better, all that stuff. The issue that I've seen with technology trying to creep in with seniors is that you're always 30 to 40 years behind where the people that are using it are. Like my point being That's is that true. right now an 80-year-old, how comfortable are they using an iPhone, let alone using more advanced technology. Now, I have aunts and uncles that are love their iPhones, and they're great with them, and they've adapted technology, but we've seen seniors that absolutely... We, ha- we Not seniors. I have nameless employees that don't like understanding what some of the technology that we use on a day-to-day basis is, and they don't feel comfortable with it, and they don't want to be involved with it. Mm-hmm. So it, I think human nature is once you've... I think human nature has, has some... We're getting a little... F- f- Fisalot, what am I trying to say? Philosophical. Uh, philosophical, excuse me, <laughs> here. But it seems like human nature, once you hit maybe 50 years old, 60 years old, you kind of like, listen, I understand what I understand. I don't necessarily need to learn the new, new, the latest, greatest technology. I've got a family. I want to go do this, that, and the other. I don't have yeah. the time for it. I've even done that with some of these social medias like Snapchat or, or whatever the latest, greatest one is. It's like, listen, I don't need 50 social medias. If you want to get to know me, you can find me. Um, and I think that that might be kind of a human nature. It might not be individual to you that's listening to this right now, but it's kind of the, the way that I've seen it. So, you know, I was at a, a conference a few years ago, and there was a, a ball that they said they were developing, and this thing was like six figures expensive, that this ball was going to always roll around. Like a soccer ball? Like a soccer ball. Okay. And it was going to, like, follow the senior no matter where they went as long as there weren't stairs involved and then if the senior was in the bathroom too long because this ball basically a robot knew the layout of the house if they were in the bathroom for more than 10 minutes they would start knocking on the door like it would bump into the door you know and if it bumped into the door for five minutes or more it would automatically call 911 and it was this cool little thing it was a cool idea, and they had a prototype there, and it was like, all right, you know, this is cool. Who's going to spend $100,000 on a ball? And what happens when your loved one has dementia, and they freak out every morning because there's a strange object following it around that's yep. out of a sci-fi novel? Um, it, it, it feels like the technology is going to adapt, and it's going to creep its way in. Um, but how much is the question? Like, I know a few years ago... Um, did you have you ever heard of Honor? Is it Honor? Is it Honor? Honor. I think it's called Honor. It's a startup out of Silicon Valley, and it was it was supposed to be. I think it's called Honor. It's supposed to be. It was supposed to be the um, 
the 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 company that would take down private the private home care industry and it was a care platform and technology that basically allowed you to go online type in what you needed when you needed it and what kind of services you had and then you filled out 10 questions and then a caregiver would just show up at your home ready to provide care to your loved one like a concierge just it was kind service. of like like handy where where you just type in Handy's another app where you type in the time, the size of your home, and um, what your availability is, and a cleaner shows up and cleans your home. And that was that app. So it was an app that connects, kind of like Uber, connects riders with drivers. It connects caregivers with people who need care. Well, you know, again, sounding like the guy that says the typewriter is going to stay in, in in, in fad for the next 150 years when Apple's coming out in 1980 with the, the, the first you know Macintosh, we see every day the, the intricacies of having caregivers come out, needing to learn this, the, the case very well, needing time to be prepared, the ongoing training, the care plans, the, the instructions, factor. the human factor, it's people huge. getting late, people not being late, you know, on call 24 hours a day. It was just, I looked at it and I was like, this, this might take over. It might, I can't say no, but... That's a that's a pretty big jump to go from you know the amount of time and investment. Gosh, if I if I, if an app could do everything, I wouldn't need any employees in the office. But I do because nothing goes right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things go wrong, schedules get out of whack. You know, personalities don't fit and things like that. So it was just it was just one of an example of like, they're putting billions of dollars into technology, and there are yeah. people that are far smarter than me that are putting up their money to fund these startups. Now, granted, what, 5% of these startups are going to last more than two or three years or five years. You know, they all, the vast majority of them, you know, it's a numbers game. They're going to fail. But, you know, one of the things, and I don't know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. One of the things that I thought was interesting is my dad and my aunts and uncles, you know, they're all between 60 and 80 years old, 65 and 80 years old. They love Alexa. They think Alexa from Amazon is the greatest thing to come out past the iPhone. Have you ever had an experience with Alexa? I haven't. Um, I I have parents in their 80s, and, you know, we live in the land of you find yourself trying to change the channel on the TV with the... Um, the, the phone that you have yeah. that's on the table. So they're they're not there with that. But I hear people, there are people that love it. Well, and I'll give you an example. I, a few years ago, um, maybe more than that, years ago now, when DVDs were still popular, I bought my dad a DVD player that also had the ability. It was a smart DVD player, like they have smart TVs, where it had app for Netflix, an app for Amazon, so you could do the streaming. So I, I got him to buy Netflix because the House of Cards show was outstanding. Had to have him watch it. He wanted to watch it. He never figured out, I don't believe, how to go in, hit the right button on the remote to go to the start, yep, the smart part the of the DVD, log into Netflix, and watch the show, which to most people is second nature at this point in time. But when all you have to say is, Alexa, play country music. And yep. then country music comes on. Don't need instructions to do that. Yeah. Alexa, what's the weather today? Alexa, 
you know, turn voice on recognition, the TV. those yeah. kind of things. I think, I think those kind of things are going to take a, a big hold. And one thing I was thinking about is, you know, there was a technology that um, is advancing, and in a lot of healthcare, it's called telemonitoring. Yeah. And the idea is that it does basically three things: it does like a, a blood pressure, um, an oxygen level, and someone's weight. And to have a, a, a person in their home be able to use this equipment and have it report back to a VNA or somewhere else, it saves having someone come out. And that works really well. Well, in, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe this is going to be a future generation, based on reading this article, of maybe that's a direction that Fitbit might go in. Yeah. Because if you get people wearing the, the lifeline monitors or the things that say, I've fallen and I can't get up, well, wouldn't it be great if there was uh, a Fitbit that's nothing more than a bracelet or a watch to people, which is not, doesn't interfere, and it just automatically takes that information. Yeah. And maybe that'll record through, you know, to your point, like the, the Lexa thing. Those are the things that I think um, may be nearer in the future than, than some of the other things. Yeah, I mean, and there was, you know, to try to be as fair and balanced, I think, as the uh, as the newspaper can be, Um they had a woman named Alexandra Schumann, who's who. It was kind of vague. She's a she's a management consultant in Washington D.C. From where I don't know. I don't know what consulting company she works for, but her point was is that technology overpromises. People think they can design a robot or write some code that will solve all problems, but only people can meet the emotional needs of other people. And she doesn't see a lot of this technology as substitute for human contact. Now that that is true in some cases, right? When you're yep. you're there's no way that a robot is going to be able to comfort somebody the way that a human being can at this point in time. I mean, um, if you want to be freaked out and you're listening to this podcast, go to go to YouTube and type in Boston Dynamics into the YouTube uh, search bar. And Boston Dynamics is a company that was bought by Google that is building robots, life-sized robots so that and animals so that they can be used in many different ways. And these robots, it, it literally looks like Terminator 2. It, it's yeah, freaky. That, that kind of freaks but me out. But yeah. at the same time, they're showing, they're trying to get a dog to run. And this dog can run at 30 miles per hour and it will not fall over. And they put it on ice, they put it on all these things, which is impressive. But... When somebody's sick and they just want their feet rubbed, or somebody's sick and they want their hand rubbed, that robot is nowhere near, at this point in time, being able to give that emotional comfort and emotional feeling and then the physical comfort and feelings of a nice light massage. They're getting this thing to be able to understand how to run, navigate stairs, things like this. So this woman does make a point where at this point in time, you're nowhere near a robot coming in and providing care for somebody. But if a robot is able to come in and provide caregiving services for for somebody, and this industry will obviously be decimated by that or, or things will change, then every industry is going to be decimated by it because you'll have a robot doing everything that anybody, any human being can do. So that's not too much of a concern on the business end of mine. But I really think with this article that the voice-activated technology is where if – I had to put my money on something is where to go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that um, as long as, and unfortunately it's it's many years down the road before they come up with 
um, any kind of a cure for Alzheimer's or dementia. And as long as there's dementia, I think you and I have walk, have work to do. Yeah. But um, I think for a lot of these things, it will be helpful to a lot of people. And I think there will be a merger. And I think the age population um, in this area, too, the, the different groups you've got, young people with great ideas you've got older people that are very receptive and then there's all these other people in the middle yeah so i i think it's an exciting thing i think there are going to be young people with robots that are going to get frustrated because some people are going to say no 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 but i I really think it's an exciting time i think it's a great idea yeah and the the only other thing that you know the two the two biggest hurdles i see is that you're trying to teach technology that's that's new to somebody that's old and maybe set in their ways like the technology that i'm used to right now is going to be vastly different than when i'm 80 years old and am i going to be able to adapt to that new technology even though i understand how to use a droid phone and i understand you know uh, many different things when it comes to wireless networks and technology and things like that am i going to be able to adapt when you're 70 80 years old set in your ways maybe having memory issues maybe having arthritic arthritic issues you know all those things that come in the other thing i think that gap is something that's going to be a hurdle to overcome the other thing i think that's going to be tough to overcome and if i can speak on the business side is who's going to be the ones paying for all this if a ball that follows you around in your house is going to be six figures a hundred thousand dollars but it can't prevent a fall it can't do anything but it oversees you and sees how things are going Who's going to be the one that that pays for all this? So we look at Tesla, that the car company. Mm-hmm. So there were a hundred thousand people that bought into Tesla. They wanted that first Tesla, and they they paid out the nose for that Tesla. They paid a hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars for that Tesla, so that now Tesla can make a car that's thirty thousand dollars. Right? Exactly. You have to get that ROI back from that investment. Um, so my thinking is that a lot of these, this technology, what's going to end up happening is that private home care companies are going to be the ones buying it. And then they're going to be the ones that then rent it out to family members. Because if you have a family member that you have no idea of knowing, but let's say you have a family member that's 93, well, it's a pretty good shot she's probably not going to make it to 103, right? Just going off of a numbers game. Yep. There, there's a probably pretty good shot that she's not going to make it to 98. It's just, it's just a statistical knowing that the, the older you get, the better chance that you're not going to make it to your next birthday, right? Yep. So, so who's going to invest $50,000 or $70,000 or $20,000 into a technology that might only last for six months? And then they don't need that technology anymore. Yep. So my thinking is that the private agencies, as this technology comes in, are going to be the ones that say, hey, listen, I'm going to invest $100,000 in buying three of these balls. Or just one of these examples, whatever it is. Yep. And then I'm going to rent that out at 1000 or $2,000 a week to my customers. And over time, I will recoup that money back and make yeah. a profit off of it. So that's how I think that technology is going to be implemented unless the the technology is so inexpensive that it makes sense. Like that, the thing, where were they talking about? The uh, virtual reality? Who knows? That would, but if that's like two or $3,000, then I'm sure there are a lot of people that would be more than happy to pay for that when a, uh, a person is in a wheelchair and they're going to live for another 10 years. Well, you can do your VR and you can check the world out or whatever. 
Yeah, that they're not be... afraid to have something foreign strapped on their head. True, that's true. <laughs> um, but like I think when you start talking the big kind of money, that's why we're in business is because basically people are renting caregivers from us, right? They're yep. they're they're essentially coming to us to rent caregivers, us to handle that, and then when they no longer need caregiving, they no longer have a caregiver that they have to pay money for. Correct. So that I mean yep. very simplistic, but that's kind of the business is we're selling labor, we're selling services. Right. So I think that's kind of how that technology might have to go yeah. moving forward. I think too some of the inroads of a lot of these things aren't necessarily going to be today's elderly population as much as today's disability population because if you have people with disabilities and physical limitations you can work through some of the design make some of these things more popular i mean you think it it wasn't that long ago when there was the one standard black wheelchair for people yeah and now it's like they have titanium and for kids they have these things in all these wicked cool Crayola crayon colors and because of the volume of that like you say the price came down and things have become easier and now you can lift them up and put them in the car and those were people that were older but they and also with younger people they're more adaptive adaptable I guess is a better word so I think the combination of just all the rehab facilities we have in this part of the country I think that's going to kind of join forces with the elderly and that may be how a lot of these things come to be and that's an excellent point that I I didn't even cross my mind so instead of the private agencies buying the items they might be able to mass market it to the disability side of things and that brings the cost down and thus um, it's able to be more of a retail service rather than a wholesale service where we're buying it and then renting it out right to and you ah, have less of that dementia or confusion issue to it and you know if someone is a young person and they're in a wheelchair or i i saw a picture in the paper just the other day of um a little girl who had one of those 3d printer uh, manufactured artificial hands she threw out the first pitch at the All-Star game. Oh, those are crazy. You know, and it's those things that they're so cool. And you put that on a kid and they could make it hot pink or whatever because she likes unicorns in pink. And they've made her life far more normal. You know, and to go through that process, I don't think you're going to, like you say, invest in that. And someone who's 99, who's probably not going to realize the um, the value of what that can do. Yeah. So yeah, but I remember when those 3D printers came out, they were super expensive, and now you can yep. get them on Amazon for a couple thousand bucks. Which don't get me wrong, that's not like cheap pocket change money, but comparatively to where it was ten years ago, I mean, it's 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 insane how the prices come down, and those things are so uh, uh, those robust on what they can do. Oh, it's it's absolutely incredible. So absolutely, the technology is going to be interesting on how that goes, but it's just interesting to also see. You know, our governor, whether you love him, whether you hate him, or you're in between, is clearly putting um, money and resources into developing that that specific area of technology and trying to become Silicon Valley 2.0 when it comes to age tech. And maybe that morphs into disability technology as well. Um, But that's always a good thing for Massachusetts to have more companies here, more companies, more jobs, more people. It funds the, uh, it fuels the economy. And we're a a mecca for pharmaceuticals, but everybody's fighting to bring those prices down. Yes, (laughs) they are. They they are. But that is a, that is a probably 12 hour podcast (laughs) right there. Um, 
that's just part one. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> that's, like, that's like one of those those Ken Burns documentaries on the Vietnam War that there like, lasts yep. 30 hours. That's the pharmaceutical injury, the yep. industry right there. Anyways, thank you very much for listening to Caregiver's Toolbox. Um, I hope you have a great day, and we will catch you 